tonight on my way here I wrestled in the idea of a teaching that the Lord's been putting on my heart lately of hosting the ghost and I truly believe that the 
last days church will be a church that understands the biblical importance of the Spirit of God being active in what we call services. But I truly believe that what we have to do as the people of God, we have to learn how to get into a place in worship, in word, fellowship, that this, this settling that you feel, comes in because what happens in a place like this is every burden is lifted every yoke is broken it's in moments like this that hopelessness is overthrown by hope peace like a river flows in the midst of chaos there is for the first time stillness in the face of adversity, now there is anointing. In ashes, there is beauty. In despair, there is joy. In lack, there is now fulfillment. It's amazing when a body of believers can come together in unison and say, God, you're all we want. You're all we need. I feel just the settling of the Holy Spirit in this room. I know that in Acts 2 it says the Spirit came as a mighty rushing wind. But I believe there is just as equal importance of a subtle whispering wind that settles in a place. Not that necessarily blows from side to side but descends from the heavens and pours out on top of us I can feel the spirit of God in this room settled in such a manner tonight there's a realness, a tangibleness of the spirit of God in this room and so Jesus we come before you tonight and we thank you Father we thank you that you are a rewarder of those that diligently seek you Father, when you said, seek my face, we said, your face will we seek. Father, I thank you for the culminating, the cultivating, the calling, God, of hearts, God, in this room right now. Father, that you are drawing people to you, that you said in your word, no man comes unless the Spirit draws him. God, I feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit in this room. That hearts that were distant from you, that hearts that were afar off from you, that souls that were running in rebellion are now suddenly being drawn to you, Lord. Huh the interruption of man's plans and the sovereignness of a God that we serve. Father, we ask that we would never lose the sense of how important your Holy Spirit is in our services. Jesus, you said, I must go. I must go. The disciples thronged you to not leave them. Peter 
tried to rebuke you, but Jesus, you said, I must go because in my going, I'm going to give you something that is far greater than me in a physical sense. What I'm about to give will be with you in every room, every sanctuary, every doctor's office, every school, every moment of trial, every moment of despair. What I'm about to give you will show up late in the midnight hour. He'll be there with you in the morning. Every time you call my name, I'll be there. Father, we thank you for the comforter. God, we thank you for the convictor. God, we thank you for the Holy Ghost, God, that you have given and that you have poured out in your church and even in this room tonight, Father, that we feel the Spirit of God drawing and calling. God, we can feel, God, just the the surge of your Spirit in this room tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up to the house of the Lord and worship. Amen. For surely it's already been good to be in God's house and we could say amen and go home, but I don't believe that to be the will of God just yet. But for surely he's met with us. He's been good to us. I want to talk to you tonight briefly on the idea of understanding something a little bit more significant about what I believe is transpiring and happening even here. I am confident that when we began to birth and plant Dominion Church here in Sumter, it was the idea that we came with the heart of being a kingdom movement. Everyone say this is a movement. See, I want to remind you of something though tonight that I believe if we're not careful, we will fall in the trap of thinking about church services hear me and in the trap of church services and this being a church service we have to understand that more than it being a church service this is a place where I believe the church is being serviced do you hear what I'm I'm talking about tonight see what's the difference the difference between a church service and a place where the church is being serviced is the idea of what we're showing up to get or what we are showing up to give. Movements, movements that learn the properly steward moments create something called momentum. I'm going to say that again. Movements that properly learn how to steward moments create something in the spirit realm called momentum. I was once contacted to be on a, a TV broadcast because of the rapid growth of our ministry. And it was, I laughed. It was hilarious because they said, well, you know, you got one of the fastest growing churches around and we just want to know what can we, you know, what can church leaders do to grow their ministry? It was me and Bishop Jamie Barfield who pastors Palmetto Point down at the beach. They asked me and him both to be on this broadcast. And I was honored, don't get me wrong. But I told him, I said, I'm not going to give you some scientific thing. I'll tell you how the church grows again is you learn to get God back in the church and let him be in control again. It's that simple. And and what you got to understand though is when God shows up, you have to learn how to properly steward those moments. And when you properly steward those moments, those moments now create momentum. And one of the greatest things that the kingdom of God has to offer is momentum. Because when the kingdom of God picks up momentum in a city, what happens is it becomes like a locomotive. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Watch.
much. See, there's an understanding that that at 211 degrees, water is boiling. But there's an even incredible thing that from 211 degrees to 212 degrees, water that is boiling now becomes at 212, becomes a producer of steam. See, and now if you can take steam and you can properly steward it, you can put it in a locomotive and that same steam will move a, a thousands of pounds of steel down the track. What am I telling you? That when we properly learn how to steward the moments of God, there is a momentum that is created in the force spiritually that hell can't stop what God has started. And so I want us to understand tonight the significance of this, of being more of a movement than anything. Church services will absolutely come out of this. Locations will absolutely come out of this. Children's ministries, youth ministries, you know, all these things that we have vision for will absolutely come out of this room. No question. I know it. I've seen it. But hear me tonight. It's not in what's coming next. It's what are we doing with the now. And when we properly learn how to steward the now, then God says, if you're faithful with little, I'll give you much more. Those that are faithful with little will become rulers of much. Do you hear what I'm talking about tonight? Do you, are you following me? Say amen. I want to go with you tonight to really look at a move of God, a real move of God. Because I think a lot of times in the church, we talk about things. We say, oh, it's, it, man, this morning's service was such a move of God. Was it, though? Because what does the Bible say about a move of God? Mark chapter 2 verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it, the whole thing. I'm reading tonight out of the New King James Version. And it says this, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he had preached the word to them. And then they came to him, bringing a paralytic man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, everyone say breakthrough, (laughs) they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk but that you may know that the son of man has power on the earth to forgive sins he said to the paralytic I say to you arise take up your bed and go to your house verse 12 is the last verse and immediately he arose he took up the bed went out of the presence of them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying I want you all to read this last line with me ready in quotes We've never seen anything like this. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Speak to us. God, we know it to be true. In 
Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. I want you to understand something that even, even, even understanding tonight as we come back in, I want you guys, if you will, pull up the scripture and go with me verse by verse. I really want to break this down. I really want to teach uh, line upon line and precept upon precept here on what truly, I believe, a move of God looks like. Now, I want you to understand something that is incredible. You can Google this if you want, but you can even uh, look and find out the meaning of Capernaum. I want you to understand there's a prophetic understanding that a move of God comes to Capernaum. We see in the picture tonight of Mark chapter 2 that the Bible says Jesus is in the house, and when he's in the house, there's so many people that there's no longer room to even come in the door, And, and there's so many people that are thronged in this place because Jesus is in the house and he's preaching the word. And and while he's preaching the word, there's such a hunger that is cultivated in that room that that these men that come grab their their friend who is paralyzed and they go up to the roof. They rip the roof open and they drop him down in the middle of Jesus. Jesus seeing their faith, he is amazed. He tells them his sins are forgiven. He's got to deal with the religious leaders who are saying he's being blasphemous. So Jesus goes ahead and puts them in their place by saying, matter of fact, arise, take up your bed and walk and shuts it down with the idea of them all standing in amazement saying, we have never seen anything like this. But I want you to understand something. The first prophetic importance in the understanding of this is, watch this, that it says, and again, he entered Capernaum. Now you have to understand the meaning, and when you study your Bible, you have to understand that names, God is a God of names. Matter of fact, he's been given a name above every name. So names are important to God. Do you hear what I'm teaching tonight? But if you will study the name of Capernaum, what you will understand is that that name literally means the field of repentance and the city of comfort. Where do moves of God happen? You ready for this? I'll tell you where move of God's happen. Move of God's happen where repentance is active, and when repentance is active, the God of all comfort shows up. When we are broken over sin, when we are remorseful over our actions, we are, we are hungry for his holiness. Move Move of God's happen in places where repentance is welcome. John the Baptist comes preaching in Matthew chapter 3. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Standing on the bank of the Jordan, Jesus breaching through the crowd. John looks and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's an understanding that where repentance was being preached, the Bible said the multitudes were showing up. But in today's church, when we begin to preach about repentance, when we preach about the idea of people becoming remorseful, sorry, convicted over their sin and foolish actions. When we, when we talk about the works of the flesh and the works of the, uh, uh, of the pride of life the, and all the stuff that's in our life, all of a sudden the church gets offended. But God's saying, I can't show up anywhere where there's not repentance. See, where there is repentance, literally the, the, that name Capernaum means the field of repentance. Watch this. The field of repentance, the city of comfort. That's literally what that name means. The field of repentance, the city of comfort. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is the one that will meet you in the field. 
Come on, somebody. He will meet you in the field. He will meet you in your repentance. He will meet you in your place of brokenness. He will meet you in your place where you say, God, I can't do it without you. But then he says, you're not staying in the field. My God, I'm talking about Ruth and Boaz. Do you hear what I'm talking about tonight? That the king came to the field, but he said, I'm not going to leave you in the field. Uh, You're going to come in with me. He'll take you into the city of comfort because he's the God of all comfort. So we got to understand that real moves of God happen where repentance is welcomed. But knowing that when we repent, when we turn from our wicked ways, when we're hungry for God. You know the Asbury revival that began to break out even over this last year? It was a massive movement of repentance. Catch this. Not a massive movement of preaching. Not a massive movement of singing. It was a massive movement of repentance. It started with college kids that got hungry for God. One sermon was preached. Their hearts were convicted and they fell on their face and they did not leave the chapel and they cried to God day and night, day and night, day and night. And all of a sudden, a movement, what happened is they properly steward one moment. Now a movement was birthed and from that movement came momentum and the nation began to flock to a college that the the cops had to go in the streets and shut the city down because 50,000 people showed up to a city that was only meant to hold 5,000 and the infrastructure couldn't hold it. I'm talking about a move of God. When Jesus is in the house, rooms can't contain them. Cities can't confine them. Come on, somebody. So I I want you to understand something. We're going to go back into into the the Bible, please. Mark chapter 2. Verse, verse 1 and verse 2, just I want to walk through this and talk through this. It says, immediately many gathered there so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. I, 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 want, I want to go back to the verse before that. I'm sorry, verse 1. Go back to verse 1. Watch this. In Capernaum, and after some days, it was heard that he was in the house. Somebody say it was heard. I want you to understand, real moves of God will always be talked about. Can we say that? Real moves of God will always be talked about, both negatively and positively. If you're not ready for scrutiny, if you're not ready for, for people to talk slap junk about you, you ain't ready for a move of God. If, if your feelings get hurt when they don't like you, you ain't ready for a move of God. If you don't like the way that, that religious folk pick on you because the way you dance, shout, and pray, you ain't ready for a move of God. But see, the Bible says that it was noised abroad that he was in the house. What was happening? People were talking. In other words, people were talking about what was happening, both negatively and positively. The people, watch this though, the people that were talking negatively, I don't think they were present. You ever notice that? That in real moves of God, the people, the people that, that, that are just so disgruntled with it, they, they, just, they never come, but they'll tell you everything that's wrong with it. Oh, y'all, yeah. Okay, y'all got some of them people. Yeah, okay, all right, just making sure you know. Noised abroad. The second thing that I want you to see as we go on into verse 2, it says that he was in the house. Go to verse 2, please. He was in the house, and immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. I want you to understand that what we see from this moment, that in real moves of God, that God is in absolute control. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? Surrender and obedience are the door in which the movement of God comes through. 
When people want to be in charge and people want to be seen and people want to be heard and people want to be, want to be the ones that are highlighted in the midst of it, it's the quickest way to shut down a move of God is to try to make it about any kind of man, any kind of woman, any kind of, any kind of, uh, of even leadership. Moves of God, true moves of God, the sovereignty of God is that God is in complete control and he is the highlight of the movement. The Bible says that they came because it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house. The third thing that I want you to understand is that no single personality was highlighted. It was that Jesus was in the house. I truly believe that real moves of God, even I believe what's happening here and the hunger that's being cultivated in the Spirit of God, the way that we're learning to host the presence of God, it is truly because there is such an importance and there is such a press on Jesus being in the house. It's not is Kyle preaching tonight. It's not is Brooke singing tonight. It is an understanding that when we come and we're hungry, we just want to seek him. We just want to see him. We just want to look upon his face. We just want to worship him. And when we come in with that kind of hunger, God is consistent in settling down in this place. The next thing that I want you to understand is that in real moves of God, people show up by the multitude by the multitude, by the multitude. Can you understand though? They all come, but some are there to spectate. Some are there to participate. Some are there to negotiate and others are there just to evaluate. But the truth is, is God will use whatever they ate to get there to show them what he is. Come on somebody. And, and, and what we need to realize is, is real moves of God. There will become, there will come people that want to come in just to see if it's really a move of God. I've been in sustained moves of God. Even revivals we've, I've been in and we've had, you know, blinded eyes open. We've seen the miraculous, the signs, the wonders. And I'll never forget, I, I almost began to understand the pattern. We would have like one night high of high intense glory. Like I'm talking presence of God settled down. Four and a half hour service, blinded eyes open. The next night, all the spectators, all the, all, all the haters, they'd all show up just to see. And the, it's like the Holy Spirit went G.I. Joe. <laughs> it was quiet and it was crickets. There was no move. It was like they came and they're like, no, nah, ain't no God here. They'd leave. He'd show back up again the next night. They'd come back the next night. He'd go G.I. Joe again. I would tell people it was like an every other day revival. And it's when people showed up to see if it was a real move. God said, I ain't entertaining your foolishness. <laughs> see, people show up in real moves of God. But let me tell you what else happens. Let's go on to verse 3. Verse 3. And they carried him, bringing him in, the paralytic man who was carried by four men. Verse 4, we're going to go, I want to read all the way into verse 5. And it, when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, son, your sins are forgiven to you. I want you to understand that in real moves of God, watch this, every barricade is removed. Barriers are broken in real moves of God. Watch this. Man-made structure, the roof, 
right? Man-made structure, man-made covering, man-made shelter. God says when a real move of God shows up, I'll rip the roof off of your structure and I'll come, come on, I'll move. What, what happens is in real moves of God, God will send a move that challenges every religious perception in the room that people will say there's no way that that girl with earrings in her lip and purple hair just prophesied that man's mail. Oh yeah, he did. Because in the last days, I'm pouring out my spirit on all flesh. And what just happened is he just ripped the roof off and sat a miracle down in your presence to challenge your religious heart. Oh, come on, somebody. See, the barriers, the barriers are removed. The roof was ripped off. Can I tell you something? In real moves of God, the spontaneous is activated. Can you imagine they're in the midst of a move of God? It's crowded in there. But all of a sudden, there's a spontaneous activation above their head in the heavenlies. There's a ripping and a tearing. There's a renting. And all of a sudden, the miraculous comes down right in front of everybody else. It's an understanding that there is no order of service when you're in a real move of God. There is no person that is in control when you're in a real move of God. We need to get to a place where we say, Jesus, rip the roof off. Take off whatever is hiding, whatever is holding back the movement of the Spirit of God. Put a rent in the heavens in Sumter and send in every paralytic, send in every drug addict, send every broken, send every divorced marriage. Send them in here that we can see you raise them up to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, not only does the spontaneous show up, not only do the people show up, but let me tell you what else shows up. Satan shows up. In real moves of God, the enemy is always lurking. It's a constant spiritual battle of keeping the enemy out of the doors of our minds and of even the services. I know for many examples, the Azusa Street Revival that went on for years and years by the great William Seymour. I can tell you, the Azusa Street Revival was shut down simply by a spirit of Jezebel that got in the midst of the revival. People that wanted to be in control, uh, even some of his closest, began to try to take his contacts and go down the road and plan another church church, right in the midst of the move of God. I can look at Brownsville Revival, and I can tell you, I've heard the stories uh, from, from Pastor Kirkpatrick that'll tell you that at the end of it, after those five years, that the enemy just got in it and began to unravel and began to untangle the move of God that was happening after five years, because anywhere where there is a move of God, Satan is lurking. Because what is happening in moves of God is the kingdom of darkness is being overthrown. It's a place where the enemy is being plummeted. It's a place where hell is being bankrupt. And if you think the devil's just going to sit by, stand back, and, and say, okay, I'll wait until it gets over with. No, because we'll drain his bank account. We see in the scriptures, go on to verse 8. Verse 8. But immediately when Jesus perceived this in the spirit and they reasoned within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? You know, I, I think that a question that we need to ask ourselves, that when we see God getting glory in a service, when we see God moving, why is it sometimes in our hearts we will question things? Why is it that we'll sit there and we'll say, no, I, I don't know if that's real. I, I don't know if God really would do that. See, I believe that in Mark 2, 8, Jesus would ask us the same thing. 
Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Why are you so concerned about God being glorified? Why are you worried about me raising somebody up? Why are you worried about me restoring somebody? Why are you worried about me forgiving their sins? I think the church could uh, could do good to try to answer that question. Why are we reasoning in our hearts when God is getting the glory? I'll tell you why. Because the enemy is lurking. And, 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 and when God is moving, literally what happens is the enemy comes by and he whispers in the ear of people that have open doors in their hearts. And all of a sudden, they'll begin to discredit, they'll begin to discount the, the move of God, the, the, the miraculous of God. There'll be those that say, you know, I don't know, uh, I don't know if that's real. I think it's all staged. My God, if, if, I could, if I could have gotten a dollar for every time somebody said something like, I don't know, I think that's stage. Yeah, because that's what the devil's going to do. The devil's going to stage somebody getting saved. The devil's going to stage somebody's ears being opened. The devil's going to stage a marriage being restored. The devil's going to stage some backslidden child coming home. The devil ain't going to stage that. The devil ain't going to do nothing to give God glory. Come on, it's time that the church get discerning. (laughs) The spontaneous is activated. Satan shows up. People show up. But the last thing that I, or second to the last thing I want to tell you is that we have to understand that real moves of God, that it is for anyone, but it's not for everyone. See, there's a freedom that comes when you realize that it is for anyone. It doesn't matter red, yellow, black, or white. It doesn't matter rich, poor, or indifferent. It doesn't matter whether you're from America or whether you're from Africa. It don't matter where, what side of the tracks you were born on. The move of God is for anyone. But you got to get free understanding it's not for everyone. Everyone's not going to be able to understand it. Everyone ain't going to be able to receive from it. Everybody ain't going to be able to comprehend it. Matter of fact, Jesus came teaching that the, that, that the prince of the power of air has blinded the eyes of those that cannot see the kingdom, cannot hear the kingdom, and cannot understand the kingdom. What what there is is there's scales spiritually that you think people are going to celebrate God and they get in the room, they're like, "Ah, I didn't feel nothing. And it's not for us to try to make people to encounter what we encounter. Because we have to understand real moves of God are for anyone, but they're not for everyone. It is for a whosoever will, let them come. But you have to understand, some will come, and they would, then there will be those that leave. Do you hear what I'm teaching tonight? It is a whosoever will, let them come. But you have to understand, some will come, and some will leave. In real moves of God, you have to understand it's not for everyone, but it is for anyone. Lastly, lastly, nobody but God can get the credit for it. See, man is brilliant, man is anointed, man is gifted, but he is not brilliant enough, he is not anointed enough, and he is not gifted enough to manufacture a real move of God. And I want to go back into verse 12 real quick. Brooke, if you will, come on to the keys. I want to talk about this last part right here that we all said. And it said, and immediately as he rose and he took up the bed and he went out of the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we have never seen anything like this. I love that the Bible is very key in its words of what what it's using. Notice how it said, and immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out of the presence of them all. 
so that all were amazed and glorified God. Who, who's all? All is all, right? Are we in agreement of that tonight? So now that we understand that all is all, that means the very ones that were doubting, the very religious ones in which that he perceived their hearts. The Bible tells me that when Jesus did this, the man got up and walked out in front of them all. Oh, come on, somebody. He had to walk past those that doubted his ability to even be there. He had to walk past those that doubted God's ability to forgive him of his sins. He had to walk past those that said there ain't no way that the one that came in on the mat is now leaving on his two feet. See, the Bible is clear that he had to walk by them all. Why? Because when he walked by them all, it was a testimony in front of them all. And they all had to then say that they are amazed and glorified God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Stand with me all over the house. What am I saying? That real moves of God will change even the testimony of doubters. That real moves of God will take those that everyone discredited, that everyone has overlooked, that everyone said there's no way. And God said, absolutely, there is a way. And I'm going to make that way walk right by you. You're going to have to be right in the presence and you're going to watch me move in that person's life. It's an encouragement. It's an encouragement to the people that, that you're praying for. It's an encouragement to your son that your friends have told you there's no way. He's too far gone. He's been living in addiction for 18 years. There's no way. Jesus said, yes, there is a way. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. It's an understanding that God will take the very thing that everyone tried to discredit. And he will use that very one to become a testimony of them all. I believe that real moves of God are echoed in the words in verse 12 where it says that they glorified God and they were saying, we never saw anything like this before. I think real moves of God come from time to time. And when they come, it's in a way that the people of God are so amazed they cannot describe it. They cannot define it. And therefore, they cannot discredit it. Real moves of God come in a time where the people of God are saying, I've never seen anything like this before. Father, we thank you for what you're doing right here, right now, in the city of Sumter. God, we thank you for every family, every family represented, every mother, every child, every father. Father, we thank you, Father God, for every leader, spiritual leader. Father God, we thank you, Father, for what you're cultivating, what you're calling. Father God, we thank you, Father, that in this room right now, you are teaching us how to steward the moments for the movement and the momentum that we know is coming into this city through this ministry. Father, we pray right now, Father God, that you would teach us. God. Teach us, God. Teach us, God. Teach us in this moment, Father God, how to properly steward this presence that you're entrusting with us. Father, teach us how to handle this anointing. Teach us, God. Show us your ways that we may walk in it. Father, I know, though, at the end of it, God, we will simply say, we've never seen anything like this before. God, we believe that you're the God that can do a new thing. God, we believe that you're the God that says, can you not perceive it? Do you not see it? I'm doing a new thing. Father, that new thing 
We see it. We feel it. We sense it, God. Lord, we know that you are moving this ministry forward to do something that we've never seen before. In Jesus' name, I want to close as we worship right here in these next few moments. And I want you, as we worship, I want you to pray for the move of God. I want you to pray for the move of God in your city, in your homes, in your marriages, in in the relationship that you have with your children. Because real move of God's are not confined by boundaries and the structures of men. Real moves of God show up and they rip the roof off. So I want you to pray right now as we get ready to close out of Westbrook to sing a song that God put on my heart on the way here. And I want you to sing this song. I want you to declare this over your city, over your home, over your schools, over your job. God, we've never seen anything like this before.